If you can hear a bit of excitement in my voice, it's because the season is nearly over. Welcome to another week of For Buck's Sake. Dave is my name. Jason, can you see that light, mate? That light at the end of the tunnel? The penultimate episode of uh, FVS <laughs> for, for the season. Can't wait. Uh, it's been a long one. Uh, we do get to talk about a win this week, though, so that's that's pleasant. We'll, uh, we'll dive into that, but uh, we're going to win. The season's almost over. We're going to cap it off with a, uh, a bit of a drink at the Victory Medal in about, uh, what, five days' time. So, uh, yeah, light at the end of the tunnel, as you said. Yeah. We'll be singing when we're winning. Isn't that right, Budza? Welcome to the Man of the People for another week, FES. Yes. Hello. Um, an amazing spectacle it will be at the Victory Medal when uh, we possibly finish this shit show of a season one point out of finals. Indeed, indeed. Clarkie, you've been running the rule over that ladder for, for many weeks now, you know, sussing out those permutations and figuring out if we could actually make it. Isn't it hilarious that after all that has been said and done this season, every week we've had to kind of put our hearts on our sleeves and talk about how dire things are. We could finish one point out of the, the finals race. That's uh, absolutely absurd. Good evening to you all. Um, but that's the beauty of this league. You're only one win away from moving up the ladder. But look, uh, I don't think um, a, a ladder position of, of ninth, a finishing position is really going to uh, do us any favours. I don't think it, it's fooled anyone in the season we've had. Um but hey, we get to talk about a very rare win, as you said, Jason. So keen to get into it with you boys. Absolutely. And gents uh, and listeners, I was, of course, absent from the podcast last week. I really enjoyed the worst VUG 11 episode that you guys put together. The engagement from the punters was terrific. And you absolutely nailed the selection. When I, when I heard you midstream switch to a back three, I was like, yes, it, it fits. It fits because yeah. we needed to squeeze more in the midfield and up top. Hundred <laughs> percent. I did say that we we're going to do the the best ever eleven this week. I um, I was looking back through the the records and I couldn't find that we actually tweeted out the best eleven at the time. It actually looks like it's all enclosed on the podcast, so I have to go back and listen to it still, which I haven't done. So we might do that next week. So we'll we'll delay it until next week. We'll get we'll get into the the best ever eleven to cap off the uh, the end of the season for the. For FES uh, for this year. So, yeah, apologies. We'll do it next week instead. And the other thing that happened during the week was a visit from uh, Gordon Ramsay. What, mm. boys, what is, what the fuck is it with this club and its obsession with fuckhead celebrity chefs? Well, we get, at least we get a celebrity chef that pays their, uh, their employees in this occasion. Um, but Gordon, you, you got to say, you got to hand it to Gordon. He had the Midas touch this week. He was mm. uh, he was schmoozing with the Vark and he was also schmoozing with the the Magpies um, over across the Holden Centre at uh, the Olympic Park precinct. So two and zero for Gordon Ramsay this week. Uh, Gordon's yeah. always been a winner. Yes. Gordon gets it done. I think I think labelling him a fuckhead is a bit harsh, Dave. Just you know, trying to generate the chit chat. Yeah. Engage people, generate discussion. 
It's more shit chat than chit chat. Oh, I'm Dave GPT over here. Um, are, you more of a, are you more of a Guy Fieri type man, Dave? I don't even know who that is, but um, uh, the blonde hair guy, the guy that has the, he's like the. the oh no no no, no 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 no! I I I the, the only Dave's a town operator. The only yeah. chef that I like is Budza, the man of the people. He made a oh, fantastic good, Japanese fried chicken that I'll never forget. Uh, and yeah, back before the burger craze took over in Melbourne, way back in the day, the man of the people made this burger breakfast burger for me once uh, on Spring Street there in Melbourne, and I still remember it to this very day. But look, jokes. Chefs. The chili jam. The, the chili jam was excellent. Isn't that really, oh. it really brought the room See, together. Even you remember. Jam. Yes, I exactly, do. exactly. Just a bit of runny, runny egg yolk. Oh, mate, magnificent. Jokes, eggs, bacon. Breakfast and frivolity aside for one moment, let's preview what is ahead on tonight's show. We get to shift our gaze back to the men's side this week as they notched up a win at home and spared Anthony DiPietro's blushes. He did say, boys, in the uh, vacuumentary, as I like to call it, that we would never finish last again. Never again. Never again. We also need to discuss, sadly, the exit of the women's side from the championship race. It all came to an end on the weekend for Jeff Hopkins and his band of merry women. We will talk about the club survey that was pushed out to members during the week. Oh, to be the person at the uh, club end of that survey to read through the responses. Some of the stuff we've seen on our Discord as to what people have indicated they replied with has been incredible. We will delve into that. Then we drink some whiskey drink, we drink a vodka drink, we drink a lager drink, and we drink a cider drink. You're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Hi, it's Ben Falami, and you're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Oh, Danny boy. Now, Patreon, Patreon, a big welcome and thank you to El, Eleonora, who joined the FBS community a couple of days ago. And thank you for the beers on Saturday in the South End, El. I will return the favour next time I see you. I think we're going to do another For Buck's Sake function at some point, whether it's in the off-season or maybe a, a next-season launch or something like that, to give back to our community. Uh, Jace, and I, I dare say we'll do it again at the, at the terminus. I mean... What a pub! Oh, I, I was checking out some other venues, um, but I've got some other. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll, bring, I'll take those off offline. But I'm wondering <laughs> if we can maybe do a, an off uh, off season catch up that coincides with the uh, the Women's World Cup. Maybe a game that Australia are playing uh, out of state. We play a Sydney game if uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, or a couple of them. So yeah, one of the group maybe, games. Maybe we can align uh, that together with. Uh, with a Matildas game, that'd be pretty nice, and uh, it, you know, be, it'd be a nice change watching a, a team that actually knows how to play football, which, be, which would be nice. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we've got we've got um, one game in Sydney, the the opener against uh, Ireland, and then Nigeria is in Brisbane before we we play Canada and Melbourne. So maybe um, we can do do something there. We'll, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just off the cuff. We'll see what we can do. Bit of family friendly fun, maybe a bit of face painting, Jace. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well. We're going to have to get our own face painter at this rate. Uh, (laughs) Is there going to be one at the the victory medal, Jace? You you could um, make up for lost time there on on Monday night. Yeah, Uh, I'm giving you a piece of my mind, that's for sure. (laughs) 
All right, so Sunday afternoon, Sunday just gone, which was the 23rd of April. Uh, 6,012 people in attendance for the game against the MacArthur Bulls. Now, boys, as grim as that number may read, it was, incidentally, a bigger attendance than Western United and Melbourne City combined, who played in primetime on Saturday night and are both still in contention for finals. So even though we're going pretty shit at the moment, um, not much has changed (laughs) with the other mobs. But look, this match was very much reflective of the two sides participating and the ladder position. And look, I took my kids. First time ever I've taken my kids to a Vuck game. Now, that's largely because over the years, the Vuck has been my time. You know, my, my, you know, it's uh, separate from everything else. Um, and look, all I can say is that I hope, I hope they forgive me for um, taking them because it was pretty dire. No, no, look, in all seriousness, they absolutely got around the Seven Nation Army moments when I had to tell them that a goal got chalked off. I sort of thought, do I tell them, you know, after they celebrated with the scarves in the air and it's like, and then Sam... My son picked up on the fact that a goal did get scrubbed and then I had to explain VAR. But enough of that. Gents, <laughs> we came Can you explain it to me three. as well? Yeah, yeah exactly. If a seven-year-old uh, can't understand it, I don't know how um, any of us can. But, look, we came away with three points, and that's the important theme here. Romero. Open the score. They bookended goals in this game, the third minute and then the 94th. We put out a, a, another popper 4-4-2 with probably the most pedestrian and dull central midfield pairing you've ever seen in Brillante and Chapman. Mm-hmm. But they got the job done. Clarkey, tell us how they managed to do that. Well, despite how dire we are... I... I think it's because MacArthur are even fucking worse. I I think I said on the Discord that it it takes a pretty fucking bad side to make this Vuck side look competent. And that first 20 minutes, we look like a competent football side, uh, which doesn't speak a a ton towards MacArthur and and the Bulls. Now, I know they they don't have a coach. They haven't had all-night Dwight for a while, but... Jeez, that is disgusting. But Romero, I mean, the kid's got something and I can't help but feel that we've wasted the, the time that we've had with him. Hopefully, maybe we can we can get something done where he might stay next season. But, uh, geez, he's, he's one of the few bright spots in what's been a pretty dark season, in my opinion. But... I think the greatest thing to come out of this game is the um, the Fernando Romero chant. Um, he went for a shit. He went for a shit. Fernando Romero. <laughs> he went for a shit. Um, that's gonna go down in Vuck folklore. Yep. The, the the most insane moment, and he potentially he was potential. Um, if he'd just run straight back on, he would have been red carded. Yeah. So uh, it was a bit of a, a crazy game, and that was one of the bright spots in what was a, a lackluster ninety minutes between the goals. Um, you know, 
Popovich was on the chopping block, in my opinion. We should have been look, we should have finished that game three or four up against MacArthur and when Uzcock leveled. Um, the writing was on the wall for us. Kurto pulled out some amazing saves for them oh, as well. Didn't he? Um, in that time, um, he really showed his wares as, you know, probably the best player on that side, but they're, they're awful. They're awful. And it was, it was everything that was bad about the current standard of the A-League and, and that, you know, these games at the end of the season mean nothing. So there's, there's nothing on the line for anyone. So it, it played, it played up to the narrative. And there's some parallels between the two sides, isn't there, buds? Are like, why is Craig Noon sitting on the bench for ninety percent of the game? He completely and utterly changed it for them. Like, it's, it's crazy to think that he's on the bench for that long. As soon as he, as soon as he came on, they started, you know, running forward. They, they, there was third man runs. He put them under pressure, and then they scored straight away. And I think the thing that shut me up the wall was. Um, there was, you know, a, a bit of news that we'll probably um, gloss over here and um, pick up later. Um, um, that Zappers um, broke before the game, and then um, the reason for that news was that the club is going to go all out on focus on youth and invest in its young players, and then you know we fucking start Lee Broxham and you know play him again for how many minutes he played? Played eighty nine minutes, and you know you've got. Kids still on the bench. Like you could have played Chapman at centre half. You could have played Nish. Kamau came on and actually looked okay. So the guys that we wanted to have minutes in Kamau and Brooks and you know Valadon, you're not going to start him. But it just it just goes to show again that Tony Popovich doesn't care about youth. He's not the club. The club will say they're going to invest in youth, but he doesn't trust young players, and he never has. With him at the helm. It, it's probably the worst possible thing if the directive is that it's it's youth because even even his wording after the game, whether or not he meant it like that, whether or not his his words got muddled, the fact that he says something that like Leighton owes us is 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 terrible language um, from someone who should know better. Um, whether that's an error or not, he should be better than that. It's do, it do feels we want to like try and decipher a, that. Like, like, sorry, Clucky. Like, I don't understand how you can mess that statement up. Well, I, well, to Brooks' own admission, he says that he hasn't taken opportunities or chances presented to him this season. To be honest, he hasn't had many, and I don't blame the kid. How is a kid meant to take chances when he's thrown in here, there, and everywhere for tiny little cameos? Um, but it's, I just, and he's twenty-two was, now. Like, I mean, we talk about kids and the assembly line that we would love to have at this club, you know, the opportunities for development and so on. But he should have had, he should have had 40, he should have had, he should have had 40 A-League appearances and been knocking yeah. on the door for an overseas move. Yeah, he's he's 22, but in, in Vuck youth years, he's, he's 16. He hasn't had enough yeah. football. Like... Like what happens a lot here, kids waste some valuable development years at this club, thinking maybe I'll break through, and then they don't. And he's 22. When you've got other clubs, again, we don't like to talk about other clubs, but you've got other clubs like over in South Australia where 17-year-olds are regularly tearing it up. It's just, 
I mean, I'm super stoked for Brooksy. We've been calling for more Brooksy. We've been calling for more kids. And it, it was great to see him get that goal. It was a great finish. But It was I, a great I, finish. It was great technique. It was great it, technique. It was super. I don't think you can retain Tony Popovich and take a youth focus into a season. Those two things are at odds towards each other. And, it, and Especially- it's, it's asking for another season like this in a different way. Jace, I want to bring you in on this because we're, we're once again finding ourselves uh, wading in the waters of the, the the philosophical underpinnings of this club. And you guys are talking about Popovich and him not being the man for uh, you know, us becoming a club that, that bloods youth. But I put it to all of you and first to you, Jace, that I don't think we are wired that way regardless of who the manager is because we have this mentality of you know every season we are challenging every season we must be there or thereabouts which means taking the safer option playing the broxham as it was in this case over you know let's say a, a bozanovsky at center half for example how do you see the, these puzzle pieces fitting, JC? Is something going to change? You know, we don't know what's happening with Popovich for next season. We know that Triple Seven and the, the 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 overtures and things that are developing with their kind of takeover essentially may change the the, the orientation of the club. But how, how do you see it all? It's the ultimate catch twenty two. I mean, we've spoken about this before, really. Like. Melbourne Victory have done what they've done over the last, say, five or six years, and that is rebuild the squad pretty much from scratch almost every single year because we know we, that we can. So what we do is we we recycle these players, these senior players come through, we try and bring in new ones because we think that we can win the title each and every year. And then when it fails, re- more recently, it's failed like spectacularly for us. So do we have the patience as Victory fans in the in the... In the landscape that we're currently in where the the sentiment towards the club is at an all-time low where crowds are at an all-time low do we have the 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 patience as a supporter base to now say okay we want to change tact again and then we want to go after youth and then what if it doesn't work next year we're, we're all going to be criticizing oh you fucking should have got players that were you know more senior so really it's it's up to to the management to stick with a strategy and articulate that and be transparent with it and stick oh, to your listen guns. To the, listen to the corporate speak coming from Chase. He's, he's done a few strategic reviews <laughs> by the sounds of it in, in recent times. Now you're right though. We, we have to stick to our guns in a, in but a the people way. who are the people. And this isn't like it's the administration before, you know, the, the management or the, the backroom staff before, Popper and John, John DeLitzer have failed. So it's not like, it's not just like, it's this, these guys who suck. The guys before them sucked as well. And we've been sucking for six or seven years. Um, oh no, Di, we suck again. Di Pietro out is a, is a popular thing, but like Di, what's, what's Di Pietro out going to do really? Like he's, he, he's not picking the players or anything like that. So it's just that we are stuck. We are stuck. Last year we did like let's put it into perspective. Last year we probably should have made a grand final. We probably should have won a grand final. City were out in their feet. We should have put away Western Sydney in the semi final when we had the mm. chance. Oh, sorry, West, Western United when we had the chance. Mm. So like in perspective, 
this is one bad year of the Popovich reign. Last year was a lot better, and we probably should have won the the, the the grand final off the back of that. So I have no answer to that question. As that was a two minute answer, and I no, still but have it no was. Answer for you. I'm glad you put it all out there. And look, you know, we talk about the rebuild and and everything. Do, do you all remember at the, the the very sort of at the the very conclusion of that Brebner Keen era? We were bottom of the table, and it was that man, Leighton Brooks, scoring that equaliser at the death against City. And we thought at the time that it might actually get us off the bottom of the table, and it did temporarily, but we celebrated that like it was a win, mainly because just to stick it up City. But incidentally, the the the, the thing that needs to be talked about now in, in the context of finishing, we, we joke about, there being no relegation and that was a great chant from the south end in in this game the fact that we're staying up when we went went 2-1 up and the the fact that the, that that playoff that we were embarrassingly have had to play in that Brebner Keen season uh to qualify for the FFA Cup that we ended up winning um there's some weird symmetry going on again as we find ourselves at uh potentially another rebuild. But back to the game. Bud's up. 2-1, it ended, and we found ourselves all of a sudden off the bottom of the table, papering over the cracks a little, would you say? Was there anything to take away? Like Valadon, you mentioned him, showed showed a few moments, didn't he? Looked looked like a, Looks like a handy type, scoring for fun in the NPL. Yes, showed a lot of energy, chasing down, pressing, um, lots of vigor. It'll get coached out of him soon, and he'll go missing soon. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, we've been here and seen it before. I'm I'm sorry to be cynical about it, but you know, just all he needs to do is ask Stefan Negro what it's like to burst on the scene. Um, he'll tell him everything. He'll tell him everything he needs to know. Um, yeah, no papering over the cracks here. There's nothing that can paper over these cracks. These are earthquake craters. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's the case. I think, uh, yeah, whether we finish uh, 12th on the table or 9th or 8th or 7th, um, there'll be no, <clears throat> there'll be no uh, romanticizing this, uh, this, this year and this, this team. Um, yeah. Just a, a quick note on Romero going back to him. Obviously, he scored first and looked pretty good. Um, Probably lost in the fact that he's he's one of the young young kids in in the youth uh, sorry in the in the team he's he just turned twenty three I think on Monday so right. yeah well I mean Leighton Brooks is the same age so um, yeah you probably need to throw him into the, the the kids mix and it's interesting to think of what his parent club would do they're one of the biggest clubs in Paraguay so I'm I'm wondering if actually we'd have a struggle to to hold on to him this year um, I think they might be uh, picturing him in their long-term plans. They're one of the biggest clubs in Paraguay. Um, here it says they're ranked in the world club ranking 120th, just just um, below Wolverhampton Wanderers. So they're actually kind of, um, they're up there in terms of stature. So uh, could be could be a, 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 a bit of a battle trying to hold on to him, which, uh, which would suck. Yeah, that one's going to be an interesting one to play out in the off-season. We don't know all the particulars of his contractual arrangement or his loan agreement with us. We 
understand there is an optional fee involved at the conclusion of the loan period, but don't know if that's a mandatory or an optional fee, which, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, I guess, nuances when it comes to these contractual deals around loans. But look, I think him up top with Fornaroli, we, we want to see that again this coming weekend and we want to see youngsters on the pitch again because there is absolutely no other reason for us to be interested in the games other than to see some hope for the coming seasons. Clarky, did you see anything, you know, any nuggets to pull out of the um, shit swamp that has been, you know, the last few weeks? Anything else that we potentially missed in our analysis there? No, I don't think so, Dave. I think um, everything that we've sort of called for, complained about, highlighted. I think I think we're sort of we're pretty aligned with all all the Vucks out there. Um, I will echo the sentiments of um, Budzer and, and Valadon. Um, he looks real good, but uh, are we the place for him to, to develop? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but yeah, one thing that probably was missed in this game was not only did um, Romero take a shit, go and take a shit and get carded for it. But he also got uh, reprimanded for um, um, inappropriate jewellery just after scoring the goal. So um, he scored a goal. He had to run to the sidelines and and, and hand over some jewellery. And then he went and had to go take a shit. It's, um, it's a really complete afternoon for the young Paraguayan. For anyone that has played any type of organized sport, even kick around organized sport, it, it takes a, a fair a fair shit to penetrate the mindset of a of an mm. athlete who's playing. Like there's a lot of adrenaline real going. Turtle heads. Yeah. <laughs> like you, I, I think you can switch it off almost because you've got so many other things on your mind and the adrenaline is pumping. You go into you go into camp. You go into camping mode pretty much yeah, when exactly you start right. exercising. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. So it must yeah, have you, been a real fucking whopper. If anything, you have the nervous shit before a game. Exactly. You know, just yeah. to ex- exorcise that demon before before you take the field. Um, well, much like all of us, I, I guess Tony Popovich foot, brand of football has, has given him the shits as well. <laughs> well. I hope it wasn't a Gordon Ramsay dish before the game that, uh, that oh. may have caused some stomach problems. Hopefully not some, uh, some Gordon Ramsay pasta, perhaps. Well, I think we'll leave that game... Exactly where it belongs. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to actually talk about a win. Uh, but look, it, ultimately, in the context of the season, uh, finishing positions notwithstanding, it means very little. Uh, as we have said time and time again, now is the time to just give those valuable minutes to youngsters that are playing in our academy, if you want to call it that. and. We saw a bit of that, at least. So, you know, that's something to be positive about. Now, another thing to be positive about, because it's it's all coming to a head this coming Monday, is the Max Steel, Balls of Steel. This time, this season, we will be there to award in person the winner, mm-hmm. the, 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 the bronze testicles that have been uh, beautifully carved somewhere 
in the Green Wedge, I believe, Clarkie, somewhere over your side of town. Um, molded, we'll molded, to from to... your, molded from your very sack. Is that correct, Dave? That's, what That's I right. So yes. one is slightly bigger than the other. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, give us the votes. Three, two, one, or one, two, three. Come on. <laughs> Change the subject. One vote, Leighton Brooks. Two votes, Romero. And three votes can only be one. And he is this season 22-23 undisputed champion, Papi Chulo. It's Papi Chulo. Bruno Fornaroli didn't start the season registered as a Melbourne victory player and has won the balls of steel with a game to go. Well done, Bruno. And we'll be there. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be there to present it to him in the flesh. And uh, we have, uh, yeah, been been granted an interview with a great man. So we'll uh, we'll pull him aside uh, just outside the Palladium, uh, just, before, you know, I guess, probably after... Uh, after dinner, just before the auctions start, they're going to be going hard on the auctions this year, I reckon. But don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll get him. Uh, we'll get him and uh, chat about his year. So uh, can't wait for that. Uh, Clarky, I don't envy you having to go down to uh, to meet Dave to uh, to get that plaster mold sorted out. But uh, we've got the <laughs> we've got the the award ready to go we couldn't present it last year we were there but uh but Davo wasn't so uh yeah we'll uh we'll present to to bruno and game to uh to hold maybe yeah definitely i think we're going to give us a, a fuck off um with the yeah yeah absolutely yeah. don't forget to bring that microphone along yeah Jason. i'll bring it and, um bring it. and look it, it needs to be said thank you to alex and, and brooke for uh extending the absolutely. invitation to us because yeah we uh yeah we're kind of probably yeah. Let's just say that, before. yeah, they've, we've, they've had to cop a lot of shit from not just us, but from, from all fans this year. It's been a tough job for them, but we appreciate uh, those guys working with us continuously um, just with player yeah. interviews and player access and also access to, to things like the victory medal. So thank you guys um, if you're listening. Absolutely. All right, we'll take a break. Hi, it's Leah Privatelli and you're listening to For Vuck's Sake. Okay, well, unfortunately, the dream is over for the Wuck. Um, just fell one step short of the big dance. Do you guys happen to know where the big dance is being hosted this year? Um, the winner is Sydney. Has it been announced? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so here's the thing. During the game, the men's game on Sunday afternoon, they're advertising oh, yeah. on the, the big screen. The uh, women's grand finals. Oh, it's going to be bands and food trucks, and it's going to be great. You can you're reading the ad in Danny Townsend's voice as it as it appears on the screen. It's like, why are you advertising this to Melbourne Victory fans? And I was about to say and Macarthur fans, but there were absolutely there was not a single Macarthur fan in the crowd on Sunday, and I believe that's probably the first time that's ever happened. At a Vuck game, no away fans. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been to a Vuck game where there's been not a single away fan. There is always one kind of one, yeah, cookie local branch of a yeah, yeah like Melbourne, an expat Melbourne Perth Glory supporters or 
So I'm, I'm confused by that just with the grand final. I thought this was supposed to be a festival. So the grand final is this weekend. Um, I thought it was supposed to be a festival where the men and women's grand final would be at the same time. Was that, was that no, not what no, we said? No, Jace, you just don't understand the no, way I don't these get things it. work, mate. Stop being emotional, Jason. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't In get the it. fullness of time, you'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sydney FC, like the exact thing yes. that everyone was dreading would would be that Sydney FC get a home grand final when they don't deserve it. And that happens on the very first grand final, which uh, which is just poetic. Fucking poetic. Yep. But, but let's let's come back they, to the work. The work they are them. look, they are, to be fair, they are an absolute powerhouse. In yeah, the, they they were the better team. In the dubs. Well, yeah. they got a chance now that the work are out because they couldn't get it yeah. done the last two grand finals. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And uh, look, it was a 1-0 loss, sadly, to Sydney FC for the Jeff Hopkins-led A-League women's side, uh, who I have to say, it was awesome to hear you guys last week devote the podcast to them and to Casey Dumont. <laughs> Her antics. This, the, 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 I just, I really hope that that footage of her still goes worldwide to to a greater extent, and I hope also that that news that I saw about her being poached potentially by an AFL club, um, mm. I hope that doesn't come to fruition. But hey, money talks uh, in, in this day and age. But look, it's been a great season when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Over the course of it, obviously they there were some results along the way that could have been better for the WAC, but you know they they played finals football again uh, and just came up short. Clarky, yeah, just ran out of fuel tickets at the end there. Um, pretty much hanging on for dear life. You you know that what the WAC are like, and if they could have maybe taken that to extra time or penalties again, well then it's it's game on. But um, it just it just felt didn't feel like that this this time around and um look sydney cindy end up getting the goal which they probably deserved albeit a fortuitous one at the end um the heroics of casey dumont um last week and then maybe one that she's going to look back upon reflection where she she might have been able to do a little bit better um but look we're not we're not here to judge there wonderful season by by the women and 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 Jeff Hopkins there and everyone involved with the WAC. Um, as you said, Dave, tons of challenges, um, injuries to keep personnel, um, exits. You know, the loss of Alex Chidi, again, cannot be understated. I think uh, the women should be extremely proud and uh, and hopefully something like this um, makes them hungry to, to get up and um, do it all again next year. Um, We've said it a few times over the past few weeks, but um, this is the victory team to be proud of, and and I couldn't be more proud of them what they've done this season. Certainly, certainly. So yeah, that grand final, uh, the free tickets will be flying out the door. Interestingly, on our Discord today, uh, one of our favourites, High Reception. One of your favourites too, Jace. He has recently volunteered for the Women's World Cup and got a little email today from Danny Townsend giving him a free ticket to the A-League Women's Grand Final this Sunday. So if you extrapolate that one anecdote out towards the wider football community, they are desperate to make this look like the spectacle that it needs to be so they save face um, when you consider that the crowd 
in Sydney on the weekend wasn't great. I think you know it was somewhere between one and two thousand people. They're desperate for Sunday to become a a big event, given the torrent of animosity that the APL has faced, given their decision to stage it in Sydney. Any thoughts, gentlemen, on this process that we've seen develop these past few weeks about trying to fill this stadium artificially? It's going to be tough. Um, they did. They tried it last year with the A-League Men's Grand Final, which was a Melbourne derby. Um, if you bought a Big Mac meal or I think it was a family feast at McDonald's, you got a free ticket. And even that wasn't enough to, to even get one side of the the stadium full so it's going to be tough i mean you know women's women's uh, the women's league is still building um still building a fan base and things like that it's going to be tough i mean yeah um i think i think we'll we'll see what happens when the men's grand final rolls around and what they can draw um but this one will be will be tough i mean what works to their advantage obviously is that there is one team from New South Wales who will be taking part. So um, it will be better than what potentially it could have been had Melbourne victory won on the weekend. So yeah, uh, it's just going to be an uphill battle. We know it's, we know this is, we know this is shit and we know it's going to be overall going to look pretty bad, but um, mm. yeah. Yeah. It's, I think we've probably said more than most podcasts or views on Australian football, we probably said right up there with anyone um, on this topic about what we think about the whole grand final decision. So you can just go back through our catalogue since December uh, if you want to catalogue our thoughts on any of that. Gentlemen, Luis Nani unceremoniously departed just a few days ago. I think, Buds, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the game against MacArthur that Michael Zapponi, Zappers, friend of the pod, dropped the news about Nani and the club parting ways. But as is always the case, it seems like there's some crossed wires here because apparently Tony Popovich wasn't informed of this. As far as he's concerned, Lewis Nani's still on the books. Can anyone unpack this for our listeners? Is is he still a player or is he is he gone? I think we know that he's gone, but what's going on? I feel for Zappers if he got his uh, his mail wrong, given the fact that he's the usual MC at uh, at Victory Medal Night, so he'll be maybe copping some uh, some <laughs> some uh, some heat in the uh, in the Smokers Lounge on the, on Monday night, uh, Nani was also active on social media after the game. He was posting, reposting for the first time the club's in images. Months. Yeah, which was for the first which time was in a long timing. time. Yeah. Extremely weird timing. Yeah. The fact that, that it was broken that he was leaving, and then he was um, yeah giving the club props after after win. So yeah, it, it's all very weird. I mean, I, I don't think it's taken anyone by surprise the fact that he'd be moving on. Um, Smart piece of business by the club if they did insert a clause that he had to play a certain amount of games to trigger that second year, um, which was good. So, I mean, I think that we're all pretty much uh, pretty much in unison here that it's probably best that we all move on for all parties. Yeah, I was staggered that the club had the foresight to put the clause in. Um, I didn't think we had it in us to be that clever. Um, I also don't think that um, Zappers... Look, if people 
unaware. Zappers in his professional life is a very, 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 very well regarded and well respected comms and PR executive, absolute, gu- yeah. absolute guru in public relations and comms. And there is not a fucking chance in how he went with that without it yep. being an Agreed. absolute Monty. Yep. Um, yep. I think, I think someone might have. I got bored the other day and started, you know, scenario plotting in my head and I made one up in my head that the board want Popper gone, so they've gone with this without telling Popper, so Popper gets upset and bristly and it starts off a chain reaction where they um they uh have an untenable relationship and we can finally Ooh. get rid of Tony and I liked it. So um yeah, I'm I'm not saying it's true. I've absolutely made this one up, but I I'm really I'm a big fan of it. That's Our entirely plausible. All over that. It is plausible, but that's Clark, that's you go just on, about the level of toxicity that's that pre- that's present in Melbourne Victory right at this point. That something yeah, like that's that how could we be roll orchestrated. It's just <laughs> yeah, just just absolutely blow blow everything the fuck up. Yeah, look, I I, I can't see it not being true. Um, but I don't think Tony's gonna admit to that in a in a post game interview either. So um, I think the default decision for a coach when they get caught unawares in a in a press conference. Is, oh, well, I haven't heard that, or I didn't see that, or I'll have to see the replay. Those are those are the three kind of uh, things when they don't want to answer the question. So I think it's it's almost a certainty. And like you, buds are staggered that the club put something like that in. It, it it's 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 the best piece of business they've done in years. The the post mortem on the Lewis. Nani project uh, would would take a while for us to to get through. It, it's been it's been nothing short of a disaster. And look, I mean, I people get players get injured, and you know we know that insurance uh, has probably covered a bit of that, if not most of his wages post injury. But and I know that we've touched on this a little bit it, it it's just really stuck in my craw the way he's been gallivanting overseas for yep. the entire time post injury i get it if you've got to go on a holiday see the family go back to portugal see 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 a bit of europe and whatever but the pr machine the the nani pr machine has just been in full swing there's been lots of appearances and all this stuff and Absolutely nothing to do with Melbourne Victory, his employer. And I, look, I get he's on a different stratosphere, but it's just been annoying that in our time of need, and when I say in need, you know, he can't help us on the pitch, but we've been through a rough patch and it would have been nice if he was around for some of it to help some off the with off the pitch stuff. It's done now. I want to, I want to put it to bed, but... Jace, I can see you winding up, mate. I was just as I say, it's almost. Uh, I'm sure he does a lot of rehab work behind the scenes, but the amount of gallivant he does do, just from country to country, on every any on any given weekend, it's actually like you, you put doubts in your mind. Is this guy actually giving 100 percent to rehab? Which is what we want to see as Melbourne Victory supporters. It doesn't matter now, obviously, but we would have liked to see you know uh, more than what he's done in terms of you know I'm rehabbing, I'm running, I'm, this is where I'm at. Um, but it's just all been it's all been uh, the the PR machine at work. So I mean that's why we got him in. Um, yeah, it didn't work out. He was yeah that first game 
the, I, the honestly the writing was on the wall from that first game you could kind of see just the way he was playing it just didn't really fit in with what we were doing he was on an mm-hmm. island he was very much playing it was like 90 plus 10 victory players and it wasn't it wasn't really cohesive and and i think by the end of it by the time he he got injured it was um it was probably yeah it didn't really hurt us in any way i don't i don't think he would have contributed too much more to our team or helped us any, in any way um, move up the table you talk about the Nani PR machine. Well, he it did one on all of us. I remember at the start of the season, we were like, look at this bloke. He's here early. He's in Supreme Nick. He's got the buy-in. Look at this. He's, true, he's true. changed all his social media. Uh, um, we drank the Kool-Aid. Yep. It's all it, – now look at it in hindsight and you see him doing it all again, um, you know, around Europe. It's all – he's just – he's got some smart operators there that are managing his social and just – do what they need to do. We we absolutely got done in by the Nani PR machine. He peaked Indeed. in game one too. He peaked. He peaked in game one. Danced around in his undies, and that was it. That let be me, the let, highlight reel. That game. Let me that's it. let me list out for you guys the uh, the Melbourne victory marquee history, um, and we oh, can I maybe love it. I love it, Jace. Maybe we can rate our three best and our three worst, and I'm sh- I'm sure that Nani features in the three worst. So um, this isn't in no particular order here, but I'll, I'll go through it. This is um, players that are listed as marquee status throughout the history of Melbourne victory. So it's Bessart, Borussia, Oliver Bazanic, uh, Pablo Contreras, Marco Flores, forgot about that one, uh, Honda, Economides, Harry Kuehl, Robbie Cruz, Mark Milligan, Nani, Ricardinho, Marco Rojas, Archie Thompson, Ola Toivonen, and James Troisi. Um, I'll send this link to you guys in the chat that we've got up here so you can have a look at it. But um, oh, if you want to. There's more misses than hits there. But uh, yeah. So you want a top three and, 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 a, and a bottom three? Is that right? Yeah, give us a top three and then give us a bottom three. This topic talks to the, the narrative of the Melbourne victory being better as a club when we don't go for the big stars, because I think we've brought that up many times. Our listeners are aware of it. The Melbourne victory fan base would be aware of it. Anytime we have gone for the big global name, it has failed. Now it's not superstition. It's not, it's just, it's just what's happened. It's the evidence on the ground, you know, and for me, the three best marquees, that we've had is for me, obviously Archie Thompson is, is in that three. Bessar Barisha is the other one for me. Uh, it's a silverware with both of them, records broken with both of them. And to round out that top three, I'm going with Mark Milligan because ooh, ooh, as far ooh. as, no, because Ola Toivonen was the one that I wanted to name there. <laughs> And and I'm I'm hoping that's where the ooze came from, yes. unless I've missed someone completely. Yeah, yeah. Look, I fucking love all the toyman, but the, the the point being with yeah, you know, in terms of actual silverware and and the outcomes of of the marquee situation. Yeah, he, he was not just a, a, a premier midfielder in an Australian context, in, in, in terms of the entire history of the league, he's one of the best central midfielders the league has ever seen. Um, and probably, you know, we were the ones to deny him his move to, you know, a club that was on the verge of being in the Premier League in Crystal Palace um, way back then. So, yeah, that's my top three. Over to you. Mine was best 
Ola and Archie. Um, yep. I I just think that's um, that's uh, how it fell for me in terms of impact. Honorable mention to Rojas, but unfortunately he didn't really. Um, I, I don't think he got to where he could have the stratosphere he could have got to. Um, yep. Anyone else got different, or are you other two lads uh, aligned with that three, or that matches up with mine? Yeah, Bess, Bess, Ula, and Archie. I think that makes sense. But I think Dave, you make a great point on Milligan. He, um, he, he was such a dependable, steady force for us, wasn't he? Like, yeah. In terms of him helping us achieve what we wanted to achieve, I guess Ola, I look at more in isolation as probably the most skillful individual mm, mm. that's ever worn a Melbourne victory shirt and a, a bloke in a position that was able to do what he could do when it was absolutely dire around him. Yeah. Like yeah. his the ability most, to it's unbelievable. Yeah. His, I think the and, fact that we had him and Honda on the same pitch together was ridiculous. It was the biggest waste of all time. I think if Honda didn't get injured for an extended period that season, he literally could have had one of the best marquee seasons ever seen in a Melbourne victory shirt. He yeah. was an incredible player still. He was a weird cat. He was, he oh. was weird as fuck. Um, I don't know whether we ever would have had him for more than a season, but some of the things he could do on the pitch still was outstanding. I've yeah. never seen a player actually make other players around him look so much better. Like <laughs> that, that he made Storm Rue look like a world class left back. Like yeah. it was, it, it was, was unbelievable there. But yeah, can I no, start? I, can I start off with the worst three? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Go, go on. Louis <laughs> right. Nani. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Economides. Yep. And I've gone for Ricardinho because he was. Absolutely mine, shocking. Yep. Mine is different slightly. And I guess when you consider all of these things, you've got to sort of factor in rough idea of what the wages would have been. But Lewis Nani takes the cake. Economides absolutely makes that list based on the two seasons that we've had with him. And to round things out, this was a bit harder because I was tossing up between Flores and Bojanic and because you know, there's, mm. there's, there's candidates there, but yeah, look, I have to agree with, with buds. Yeah, it's not, it, it, it lands there. Ricardinho was just, so he was being paid outside of the cap and he was absolute dog shit. Like he was just rubbish. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know how he landed the gig. It was really well-doctored YouTube videos or something. It was. Look, there's literally, there's getting players like Nani who are ex-world-class players who have just well past it, falling to pieces and phoning it in. But this guy was like, what the fuck? Yeah. What On what planet is he um, marquee material? I think at least with Flores... Flores came back from China and he looked like a different player, but at least Flores had history in the A-League. He'd won the Johnny Warren medal with Adelaide. He he had done it. He had proven it. Went to China and he came back and he looked unfit and he looked slow, but at least he'd done it. Rick Adenio, it's just like, who is this guy? Like, 
But looking over this list, Jesus, um, you know, look, Oliver Bazanich, I think upon reflection, probably wasn't terrible. But is he ever a marquee signing? No. Um, Pablo Contreras, again, probably wasn't terrible and a huge waste of money. But how is he someone that you go, yeah, we're going to pay, use a visa on you and pay you outside of the cap, like outside of a few performances. It's just, mm. it, and then you look at sort of like giving Robbie Cruz marquee in 2019. Like, yeah, again, I love Robbie. Jesus Christ. Like, what is that all about? I mean, we don't know the figures, and sometimes I think the marquee slot was used as a sort of creative accounting exercise where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a certain player would be designated marquee, therefore they're 100 or 300K, whatever it was, is outside of salary cap calculations. So we don't really know, but we certainly can with confidence, talk about Luis Nani. And, you know, Honda's probably lucky not to make any of our top threes. I mean, when he was there and fit, he certainly contributed and was good. But that wasn't very long. And we remember here at FBS, we were talking about the fact that it was a million-dollar injury when he went down. Yeah. Um, if you're to talk about scale and, and things being at scale, like he, you know, from the, the money spent, Absolutely needs to be in consideration. But I'll tell you what, this has been a, a very interesting exercise because I've looked through all the other marquees of all the other clubs and we've talked about us being a club, yeah, Melbourne Victory being a club that shouldn't be doing this and we've done it more than any other club. If you look, there are certain clubs like Newcastle, Perth to a lesser extent, that have had maybe you know, sort of eight to ten marquees over their 20 or so years. We've had more than any other. I mean, Sydney come close, but yeah, we've had more than any other <laughs> club in the league. So we shouldn't ever be um, feeling sorry for ourselves in that regard. It's a bit of a, a leveller. All right, let's move on, chaps, because there was this little conference that happened last week or a few days back with the triple seven football group in Paris. Now this is, it's, it's not very often that we will uh, talk about something that happened on LinkedIn. It's a bit of a wankers platform, let's be honest. And Johannes Spores, the sporting director at triple seven partners. It's a, it's a good German name, I think. Oh, there's a He's few good names. There's a few good Euro names in this. Absolutely. He's, he's yeah. posted about, you know, we had a, held our second conference with the 777 football group. We shared knowledge with the sporting directors and, you know, the word synergy appeared in there. <laughs> this just looks like a massive fucking junket, if you ask me. In yeah. Paris, you know, there's some good cheese, some good wine, and uh, they can say that they talked about football. Um, what do we think of all of this? We are now part of this whole 777 business. I want to hear your thoughts. Let me just rattle off a couple of the names, the, the Euro names in this post on LinkedIn. So you've got uh, Johannes Spores, Marcel Kloss, Paolo Brax, Fogo Hagen, and Marcel Ottolini. So uh, we really need buds to read those out. Yeah, go. Sorry, sorry, buds. I should have I should have let you do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fergal Hagen. Fergal Hagen. F Fergal Hagen. He's Irish. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, like uh, a, I've looked. Fark, I looked. I looked at. I, I looked at. Okay, what I did was I actually looked at all these guys' LinkedIn profiles mm. just to see where they've worked. 
mm-hmm. and who they've worked for. And some of these guys have worked for Juventus and um, City Football Group and um, Vasco da Gama and they're at Genoa. They're all the clubs and there's some you know, serious football clubs there. And the only club part of the um, Triple Seven Football Group that wasn't in attendance was us. Now, JD There's did big, make an appearance in, in, in the, almost like a um, Big Brother or Zod style um, video in the background, looming ominously in the background of all these uh, Europhiles. Um, it, it, it was a funny situation to see. I, I still don't really know what to think of all this triple sevenness business. It makes me nervous. Um, I, I get that that's where we're at now and we, it's, we just have to potentially suck it up. I don't know, but um, no, we absolutely have to, we have to get with it. We have to get with it now. Um, I am um, get with the I, times and accept it. And I, I feel like, you know, these, these networking opportunities and um, you know, opportunities to create synergy. Uh, we, we need to be involved in it. And um you know, obviously the parent company's forking out for it. So why weren't we there? Do you know what I think would be a good idea, boys? I think if Genoa and Standard Liège and, you know, Red Star FC in, in France and all these other clubs, that, that their fan-made podcast, we had our own um, Ooh, yeah, the gathering in, podcast in, in Paris, you know, funded by Triple Seven Group, of course, um, to just make sure that, you know, the fan engagement levels are kept up to a standard where, you know, you can ensure that the quality of the podcasts uh, is right up there. So I'm all about exploring the possibilities with you, Johannes uh, and Johnny mm. D. Um, we I'd happily here. go and see Hertha. We, we, yeah. we could, we could yeah, spend a I've weekend in too. Berlin. If Fergal Hagen is there... If Fergal Hagen oh, is there, I'm, I'm in there. It sounds like a, a fucking very decent ice cream brand, Fergal Hagen. So I'm I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it, it looks it looks amazing, uh, the triple seven business. Uh, but who knows what to make of it all? I'm sure we'll have a very positive view on it if we get invited. That'd be great. All right, uh, club survey boys now. One of my very good friends mentioned in a group chat when the club survey arrived in our inboxes earlier this week. He said, I just filled in the club survey. It did not go down well for them. And I suspect that's a familiar tale for many. Um, I ran out of characters in in some of my responses Mm -hmm. because there was just – a, a lot to be said. Um, I think the key one, though, was like in, in five words, how would you describe the, the state of the uh, A-League or something along those lines? And my answer was, and uh, it's probably going to give my uh, identity away to the club uh, when they read mine, is like it was fun while it lasted. How did you guys with, go with this survey? Did you did, was it were you filled with a sense of dread and apathy as like feeling the fucking survey, or did you really put your heart out there and really say what you feel in this survey, or have you not actually answered it? I did mine on Monday night and I put in Clarky. 
I haven't filled mine in yet. I'm going to do it this weekend. I've actually been formulating my answers outside of the survey. To, one, to Ooh. make sure that they fit. And two, like, there's still a lot of emotion for me swirling around the league, the club, and I don't want to be, want to be you know, Danny Townsend accuses of, us of being emotional. I don't want to be too emotionally led Um when I fill this out, I want to fill it out Jesus. as succinctly as possible. So they're gonna they're gonna cop my very best efforts over the weekend. That's incredible, mate. I'm I'm I'm, I'm very impressed that you you you're taking this as as, as seriously as you are. I mean, it's it, it's fantastic. I I get that there's going to be a lot of angsty replies to this, and like I, I want to I guess take a step back for a moment because like. There's, there's the things that you can control as an organisation and then there are things that are just completely out of your control. And I think usually there's a balance in any average year of, of those things. There's a few spot fires you've got to put out, crisis here or there, but generally it's steady as she goes and you, you look to you know, meet your objectives and your KPIs and what have you. I think with Melbourne Victory this season, this past five months in particular, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And you layer on top of that the whole APL trajectory, the the decision to move the grand final. I, I think you know we're going to be talking about this for a long time yet, but it's all gone wrong um, in the past five months. So I feel sorry for a lot of the people at the club who – you know, have to cop the brunt of, of, of the responses to this survey. I wouldn't want to be the person that has to sit there and read it all. Any further thoughts on that? Jace, have you filled out the survey? No, not yet, but I do have it in my keeping. I'll uh, I'll give it a go sometime this week. But, mm. yeah, they have to press the reset button again. Uh, one thing I'm not too sure if it's covered in, in the survey, but one thing that just pops out in my mind a little bit is how, how transparent the club were going to be about 12 months ago and how that really didn't uh, didn't really come to fruition in terms of regular updates from the club as to what was going on and things like that. They kind of went to ground again once shit hit the fans. So um, that's one thing I've got a bit of a gripe with that I might uh, might uh, tee off on in the survey, but uh, but I'll, I'll get to that this week. Okay, back to football. The young lads in the NPL three continue on their merry way, although this time not with a win. Uh, it was nil-nil against Caroline Springs' George Cross, which is a very awkward long name for a football club. Just go back to Sunshine, George Cross. Yes. Um, Caroline Springs' George Cross. Yeah, nah. But look, the boys are still undefeated, top of the table. Uh, it was nil-nil, as I said, but... Their next game is Sunday versus uh, North Sunshine over in Epping. I really wish the games went in Epping. We need to uh, we need to be more central with these games. I, I really want to go and see more of, of the MPL three lads, but I'm not hauling ass out to Epping from where I live. I'm sorry, but um, any any thoughts on the young boys? I mean, we've started to see Valadon. You know, get a game. I'd like to see young Minatoli get another go in the senior side against Brisbane on 
Saturday, the 29th of April, which is the game we are now going to preview. Gents, we finally get to wave goodbye to this shit show of a season on Saturday. Down at Swan Street, Brisbane Raw. A win, another results going our way could see us finish as high as seventh as we've covered off. It's just uh, funny, but not funny in a way. Member recognition round. Does anyone That's funny. have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it is funny. Yeah. You know what's funny is that they're still trying to flog memberships as late as today um, on social media. That that's um, that's that's funny. But uh, yeah, we'll see what member recognition round uh, brings. I'm not too sure what they have in uh, in in the pipeline there for membership uh, member recognition round. But uh, you don't have to redeem a seat. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> is that is that true, Clarky? No, no, I'm just taking the piss, Dave. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, this re- redeeming of seats business. I mean, if you're one of our listeners that doesn't uh, stand in the north or south end, uh, you've probably been unaffected by the sort of post-Derby situation. For, for us... We've had to redeem with Ticketek, even though we have been members for many, many years for each and every home game, and it's just been a disgrace, frankly. Um, I really, and one of my um, pieces of feedback in the survey was that the club should have done more to push back on this instead of punishing us all for the actions of uh, that 100 or 150 uh, people that did what they did. Anyway, we can't change that now, but the membership thing, like the big talking point on the FVS Discord, and this is where it's all going to be happening in the next week and in the off-season, is that the the reliance that Melbourne Victory have had on the 20,000-plus members every season forking out their cash, the, the view out there, the prevailing view, is that that's no longer going to be the case come next season. Are we on the Discord and amongst the four of us, just sort of speculating on that? Or is that a real possibility that there could be a halving of that 20,000 for the coming season? What do we think? I think it's a legit possibility. Sorry, you go, Jace. No, I I was was, going to say it's a very legit possibility. Um, I'm, I'm weighing it up. I mean... I, I just kept mine on auto 12 um, before I moved to the US. And then when I moved back, I've had a, maybe gone to like one or two games just because of the the time timings that they're on and family and stuff like that. So um, I'm weighing it up. I used to just keep it on because I thought oh, I'm a first year member. I'll keep it going. But um, yeah, I mean, I really can't. I don't, I don't know if I can personally justify it anymore. Um, I, I'm, I'm slowly losing losing an attachment to the club, and also just the fact that um, yeah, I don't get much value for money from it anymore. So that's that's my personal view. Buds, we'll go to you. But I remember earlier, a couple of days ago, in our SDC group chat, SDC being the South End Originals from way back in season one. The words you said that the league currently has no redeeming qualities to it whatsoever. Do you care to elaborate on that? And what do you think about this whole membership scenario for the coming season? Oh, we've waxed lyrical about the A League um, 
probably more than any other fan podcast, not that I listen to them. Um, um, <laughs> but if anyone's done it more than us, they've done it a fair bit. Um, no redeeming features, as in there's... There's no wow factor. Nothing really pops. Um, you know, the the only redeeming feature is still the the crazy nature of um, football in itself. Um, you know, it's the same teams, the same players, the same recycle um, marquees that don't work out, um, incompetence, uh, empty stadiums, shocking broadcasting. It's it's you know the the, the same tale of woe that it has been for the last couple of years. And I, I think what what everyone's been waiting for is for things to smooth out and to be able to look at it from a different lens and for um, some kind of tangible, noticeable, meaningful change. But there has been no agent for change that's come in. The only, you know, the only change that the um, the APL one is the one that's in your pocket. They want your spare change. Um, that that's it. And uh, I don't know whether my um, renewal for next year will be um, dictated by Melbourne Victory or by the league. I'm just not sure yet. And you mm. know they want twenty four thousand members. There'll be plenty that'll hang on, but it's the same. Like there's Facebook ranters, you know, all these people that go on about just do it for the love of the club. It's like, well, what do you love about the club? Like, what do you actually love? What do you love about it? Do you love the administration? Do you love the board? Do you love the shocking food options? Do you love the way they treat the women's team like a you know, a second class system do you love the do you love the public park that you're training do you love the players or the inept recruitment do we have like what do you love about the club so i i loved going and seeing all my mates and you know being part of a insane atmosphere that was the best of any sporting um any sporting code in australia but it's gone so what's left mm. What is yeah. left? It felt and unfortunately, a bit like we're, we're, unfortunately, we're talking our, our lens at the moment from Melbourne Victory is a, a club that's been asleep at the wheel, that has had its ass fallen out of it, that's fans revolted, that's playing shit football, that's got a crap coach and um, has no money and is sitting rock bottom. So... Um, it's anymore, it's a tough lens. To, it's a left, huh? We will never finish last finish. ever again. Well, yeah, and then it's right. like, you know, what's the strategy of the chairman? Like, what is it? It's an so, exit strategy at the moment, mate. I think triple uh, seven, and and I want to get into this maybe in a in an off season special or something like this. But I think when it comes to this arrival of triple seven, I think it's a case of it's almost saved the, the 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 direction of the club in a way uh, and the way it was headed insular and and becoming just this i guess mouthpiece for the the various businesses associated in around the club and business dealings and and what have you as opposed to being focused on being a football club now i mean i don't know i'm just a fan who's 
put a lot of time, love and money and, and, and emotion into it all. And what you said was bang on. Like the, it used to be a thing that was different and unique. Yeah. So my challenge to the club is to win. Like, like it, it's literally a challenge I've personally put to the club is, okay, I'm still here. I'm still a member this year. I've turned off my auto renewal. Make me. And here's, here's the, the tricky thing. And Jason, Make me turn it you. back on. Make me he, turn it back on. Give me a reason. Yeah. Give me yeah, a reason. But... That's my challenge to Melbourne Victory Football Club. Make us come back. The, the thing is that in the last um, couple of years, Caroline Carnegie has done an amazing job to sort of re-engage active fans and bring, I guess, that level of comms and engagement with the member base back and, and all of that. And obviously in the last few months what we've seen transpire has kind of ruined it all and i really feel for all the the hard work not just from her but you know all the people at the club to bring us from the depths that we had you know and you know during coming out of COVID and all these things that we've talked about endlessly on this podcast um yeah it's on it's on the club again to uh as you say buds make us uh Make us come back. Make us dream. We want more. We want more. Yes, we want more this year for next year for sure. <laughs> well, look, one one. I'll tell you one thing. One thing I definitely did that I'll I'll say that I did was, um, don't even bother about the membership campaign this year. I know that the purse strings are tight. Put the marketing budget into fucking recruitment. Like, put the money into finding some fucking good players. Because that's probably the first crux or one of the biggest crux. You know, when the team's going okay, no one fucking cares about the board. You, you don't have to market a good team. If if a team's playing good footy and winning, people rock up. People buy memberships. It's pretty simple. <laughs> but also it isn't. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Um to chat to you blokes again um we will see each other soon and it's been a pl- pleasure to to talk to all you vuckers out there so for the second last time this season mon the vuck mon fuck i don't even know anymore <laughs>